Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a teaching series called Onward, a study in the book of Acts. Together, we're learning how to live as an ordinary people, empowered to continue Jesus' mission. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us this morning. So glad to be with you. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Cherry Hills. It is a privilege and an honor to gather with you. Whether you are a follower of Jesus or not yet a follower of Jesus, I believe all of us uh, can find hope and encouragement in these verses and even a challenge of how to live with him. So I'm so thankful you're here this morning. This week, I read my four-year-old Daniel a book titled, I Am Jackie Robinson. It's part of a larger series of books called Ordinary People Who Change the World. And other titles in the series are I Am Abraham Lincoln or Rosa Parks, Albert Einstein, Helen Keller, Martin Luther King Jr., all ordinary people who changed the world. We've been in a teaching series in the book of Acts called Onward. And if you're following in your notes, Acts is the story of an ordinary people empowered to continue Jesus' mission to make disciples, to invite more people to follow him. And if the book of Acts had a subtitle, and I'm just making this up, I think it would be called, if you're following in your notes, Ordinary People Who Changed the World. And that's because so far we've seen in the first seven chapters of Acts, ordinary people who go from being frightened to empowered If you remember, immediately after Jesus' death, these followers of Jesus, these ordinary people are huddled in a room, frightened of what might happen to them. But once Jesus rose from the dead, these fearful followers become empowered. And we've seen their number grow from just a handful of people to now over 8,000 And these followers of Jesus are living their lives in such a way that they look different than the culture around them. And they're able to share what's different. And it's Jesus. And so today, we're going to continue the story of these ordinary people who changed the world. I want to invite you to open your Bibles or your phone or your tablet, to Acts chapter 8. That's where we are this morning, Acts chapter 8. It's the fifth book in the New Testament, can be found immediately after the Gospels, Acts chapter 8. And as you're getting there, I just want to set the context of where we are. Today we're going to talk about the growth of the church. And just so we're all on the same page and understanding what it means when I say the word church, I don't mean a building. If you're following in your notes, the capital C church is God's people on mission with him to make disciples. The church is the people of God. It's a people joining Jesus on mission to make disciples. And that's why church buildings may be closed right now, but the church is still open because the church is a people. The first seven chapters of the book of Acts have all taken place in Jerusalem and the surrounding community called Judea. And today, we're going to see that that changes. What we're going to see is that the local church in Jerusalem scatters as a result of persecution and testing. And rather than get discouraged and giving up during these trials, 
the early church saw this testing as an opportunity. If you're following in your notes, the environment for a church growing usually involves trials and testing. And while our situation is different and the environment we find ourselves is different than these early believers, we're not facing persecution like they did. We do find ourselves in a season of trial and testing, right? Our lifestyles have been turned upside down. Our financial situations have changed overnight. Our health is at risk. And it seems like the world is out of control with news changing every day. But like the early church, if you're following in your notes, rather than letting fear have the last word, we can see trials as an opportunity to join Jesus' mission. We can change our paradigm. And so the story of these ordinary people in Acts 8 picks up immediately following the killing of Stephen. Last week, Jeff taught on the story of Stephen. You can watch that on our website. And it ended with Stephen being killed for publicly speaking about Jesus. And then chapter 8, verse 1 begins with these words. You can see them on the screen. It says, and Saul approved of their killing him. Saul would go on to become a follower of Jesus. You can read about that in Acts 9. And his name would be changed to Paul. He would become one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen, taking the name of Jesus to many unreached places. But before that happened, he hated followers of Jesus. So that's where we are. Stephen's been killed and persecution against the church breaks out in Jerusalem. And we pick up in Acts chapter 8, continuing in verse 1. And I want to invite you, wherever you are, in your living rooms, in your kitchens, if you would read with me the first gray box on your notes this morning, you can also see it on the screen, read it with me wherever you are. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I'm going to continue reading verses 2 and 3 on the screen. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Now, I want to pause here. Because something significant just happened. Persecution broke out in Jerusalem and the followers of Jesus are scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I want to put a map on the screen for you so you can have a visual of where Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria are located. You can see how this gospel goes out from this central location of Jerusalem. And if you're following in your message notes, while this map is still on the screen, Jesus' words from Acts 1. 1-8 are fulfilled. The good news goes to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I'm going to have you read with me, if you would, the words of Acts 1-8 in the second gray box on your notes this morning. You can also see this on the screen. These are the words of Jesus that were just fulfilled. 
It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus' words are being fulfilled right here and the church joins Jesus on mission. The second thing I wanna point out, this is so important to note. Don't miss this. Let me read the end of chapter eight, verse one again. Maybe you even wanna circle this in the first gray box in your notes. All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. If you're following in your notes, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, ordinary people were scattered. The first time the good news of Jesus expands beyond Jerusalem and Judea, it's not carried by the apostles, the people that we think are the superheroes of the faith. It's carried by ordinary people. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem to continue leading that local church. But what happened is that merchants and bankers and accountants and teachers and medical professionals and stay-at-home moms and students took what they had learned from the apostles and they began to share the good news. They took what they had been taught and they began to do it themselves. They shared the good news of Jesus in word and deed. They worked it into their everyday lives and the different conversations that they found themselves in. They practiced humility and they served others. They were generous with their resources and their lives were so attractive to a watching world that people wanted to join them. I imagine they offered encouraging words and prayed for people who were struggling. I have to believe they were a calming presence in the midst of a panicked culture. Ordinary people advancing the good news of Jesus is crucial for us to understand because if you're following in your notes, we're all ordinary people on mission with Jesus. We are Jesus' plan for other people to hear the good news. The third observation that I want to keep in mind, if you're following in your notes, trials and testing forced these ordinary believers out of their comfort zone of Jerusalem. It forced them out of their comfort zone. This persecution seems like bad news. I read it myself and I find that every time I read it, I default to that mindset that it's bad news. Oh man, this is not good. And I just want to say to you, it's okay to say that. It's okay to take time to grieve and to be upset. But at some point, if we believe God is always working for our good and his glory, we have to remind ourselves that God used this persecution to take the church where it had never been before and to reach people who had never been reached before. And I just want to humbly submit this question. Could that be what is happening right now? 
Pastor and author Mark Sayers has been an influential voice in my life. He said this week on Instagram, you can read this quote on the screen. He says, this is a moment to step up as individual believers. This is a moment of challenge where God actually wants to take people who have had a foot in the world and a foot in the church and actually say, I need you all in right now. I need you all in right now. So while this is a trial we're in, could this be an opportunity, an opportunity and a gift to spend more time in God's word and more time in prayer and more time to learn how to trust him more, an opportunity to slow down and hit the reset button in our life and in our relationship with Jesus, an opportunity to spend more time with our family and with our kids talking about meaningful things, reading the Bible together and praying together daily, an opportunity to look so different than the fear-filled culture we're living in? What if this is an opportunity to live in such a way that we trust that God is in control and we can experience the peace of Christ in our lives and people can see the difference? And I realize our interactions with people are limited right now, but to help you have an imagination on how to be a light in our community, we've created a ways to bless list on our homepage. All you need to do is go to cherryhillsfamily.org and scroll down and you can find that. What you'll notice when you go there, these are not extraordinary ways to bless people but they are small and meaningful and we never know what one small act might do. God can use that to do anything. He'll use whatever we offer and can make more of it. I was in a small business this week and I was talking to a guy about what this means for his business. He's concerned. He's wondering how long his business can last and just in some small way I said to him, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for your business. I want to see your business succeed. It brings me great joy to see small businesses in our community succeed. And I just wanted to try to gossip the gospel in any way that I could in that conversation. When I was at Meyer the other night, I went down an aisle and I just stopped to thank somebody restocking shelves. People who I admit I frequently overlook and don't thank for their service. How can we be more mindful of blessing people during this time? The good news of Jesus always goes onward when ordinary people join Jesus in his mission. The rest of our story today takes a deep look at one of these ordinary people. His name's Philip, and I want to spend the rest of our time together pulling out a few things of what we can learn as the church grows. I really believe these are helpful instructions as we live all in lives. First, what we need to know is that Philip was a follower of Jesus, and he was a friend of Stephen. He was one of the original deacons chose, chosen in chapter 6 
to help solve the problem of food distribution. And we pick up Philip's story in verse four. If you're following along in your Bibles, or you can read this on the screen, this is Acts chapter eight, verse four. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And then if you jump down to verse 12, we read these words. They believed, we're talking about the Samaritans, they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. Let me start with this. The fact that Philip went to Samaria is astounding. Philip was a Jewish Christian, and if he followed any sort of Jewish thought, he would have avoided Samaria at all costs. This is not where he would have chosen to go. Samaritans and Jews absolutely hated each other. It went back for hundreds of years. The Jewish religious leaders used to end some of their prayers with these words, and do not remember the Samaritans in the resurrection. Most Jews would walk all the way around Samaria rather than set foot among this people group. But Philip Following the example of Jesus and his prophetic words that we just read in Acts 1.8, he goes to Samaria and proclaims Jesus and displays signs and wonders. The city is filled with great joy and many people follow Jesus and are baptized. And here's what we learn from Philip going to Samaria. If you're following in your notes, no one is beyond the reach of Jesus. No one. Luke makes this point again and again in the book of Acts so we won't forget it. Cherry Hill's family, what this means is that we should never give up on that person that we think has no interest in following Jesus. Don't stop praying for them and continuing to look for ways to serve and bless them. It might be a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, or a classmate. Don't give up. And if you're watching today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you think the way you have lived your life disqualifies you from following Jesus, you think there's no way that Jesus would want anything to do with you, that is not true. No one is beyond the reach of Jesus. And if that's you today, I invite you to make the decision to follow Jesus. And if you make that decision, then let us know so we can help get you started on this journey. I'd invite you to send an email right now to chc at cherryhillsfamily.org so we can start a conversation with you, get you a Bible, show you where to start and how to read the Bible and pray with you. I'm praying that somebody watching today wants to follow Jesus and you understand that you are not beyond his reach. This story also reveals, if you're following in your notes, that God has a missionary heart that beats 
for the whole world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, Springfield, Chatham, Rochester, Taylorville, Pawnee, Girard, Glenarm, Pleasant Plains, Athens, Sangamon County, Illinois, the United States, and beyond. 1 Peter 3.9 in the message paraphrase says that God doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. So church family, what if we begin seeing ourselves as missionaries in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, on the street where we live, in the grocery store, at the gym, at the coffee shop, everywhere we go, empowered by the Holy Spirit to join Jesus in his mission to make disciples? What if more than ever before, we see ourselves on mission to share the good news of Jesus, forced out of our comfort zones. We can't gather here. Forced out of our comfort zones and into our community. Thousands of us, all with different relational connections and spheres of influence. We could be ordinary people who change the world. God could do that. Now, I was set to teach on verses 9 to 25 in depth as well today, but we want to keep these teachings a bit shorter than usual because I understand there are kids in some of these rooms watching. And so while I'm not going to go in depth on these verses, I wish I could, and I encourage you to read them on your own. I do want to pull out one thing that we need to pay attention to as we serve as missionaries wherever we go. This story takes a turn in verse 9, and a new character is introduced. His name is Simon, and he's a magician of the dark arts. And if you're following in your notes, the story of Simon serves as a warning about motives. Simon the magician sees Philip performing these signs and wonders, and he wants in on the action. We're told he believes Jesus and he's even baptized. But get this, after he's baptized, he asks if he can buy the Holy Spirit so that he can give it to other people. Here's what Simon wants to do. He wants to add to his magic collection. And one of the warnings we need to be aware of is some people will want to follow Jesus for his benefits, not for a relationship with him. Simon viewed following Jesus as a way to get more power for selfish gain. If you look at chapter 8, verse 9, Simon boasted that he was someone great, and he thought by following Jesus, he could add to his greatness. And what we learn from Simon, the, the lesson that we see here is that when we come to Jesus, we get Jesus. Yes, we frequently experience his benefits. He gives us so many good gifts. But more than anything, when we trust Jesus and we come to Jesus, we receive the gift of forgiveness of sin and new life that begins right now. Peter noticed this in Simon, that there was something not right. And in verses 21 to 23, Peter tells Simon that his heart is not right 
before God. And Simon, again, he said he believed in Jesus. He was even baptized, but it didn't change anything for him. And following Jesus always leads to life change. This is what repentance means, to turn from our old ways and to turn to Jesus. When we follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus lives in us and we begin to think and act differently. Yes, we're still going to struggle with temptations and we will give in to bad habits, but our motives begin to change. And Simon serves as a warning to a growing church that there will be some who follow Jesus for the wrong motives. And we want to be aware of that so we can help correct, rebuke, encourage, and teach what it means to follow Jesus. Let me also say this. These warnings are helpful in self-assessing our own lives. Are we more interested in following Jesus for his benefits or for a relationship with him? And if we have a relationship with Jesus, is it leading to life change? Are we living in any way where we think, speak, and act differently because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us? These are good questions to ask ourselves. The story of Simon is a warning about motives. And the passage we're talking about today ends in verse 25 with the words, you can see these on the screen, after they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Even as Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, they looked for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. And it reinforces, if you're following in your notes, we are God's partners to take the gospel onward. God's plan always has been and always will be the church, his people. And we need to live with a renewed awareness that we are his image bearers and we are his representatives everywhere we go. We are his plan to invite more people to follow him. We need to keep our eyes and our ears open to find out where God is working and then to join him in his work. Friends, we have the opportunity right now to be ordinary people who change the world? What if this season, what if this time of trial and testing is an opportunity to follow Jesus more closely and to go out into our communities and share the good news of Jesus? Ordinary people who change the world. In just a moment, we're going to close our time together by taking communion, but I want to leave you with some homework. Kids, I'm so sorry for this. I'm so sorry, but I want to leave you with some homework. When we're done online, I want to encourage you to do three things immediately. We're going to put these on the screen for you. You can jot them down, take a note, take a picture of it with your phone right now of the screen. But here's three things I want you to do immediately to continue the conversation. Talk as a family about how you can be missionaries during this time. 
Ask God where you can join him on mission. Is there anybody God is bringing to mind? Remember, you can go to our website to find ideas on ways to bless people. And if you're alone this morning, write down what the Lord says to you in response to this question. How can you be a missionary during this time? Two, the second piece of homework, pray for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus in word and deed. Just pray for that. Ask God to bring you opportunities and to bring things to mind. And then third, practice life together during this time of social distancing. If you are in a life group, share your answer to the first question with your life group. Text them right now and let them know what the answer was. Set up a time for a virtual meeting this week. If you're not in a life group, I want to encourage you to join a virtual group for the next eight weeks to be able to share community and pray with other people. You can click a button just underneath of this video and join a virtual group. And again, if you are alone this morning, you're not alone. You are part of the body of Christ. And I want to encourage you to reach out to somebody in our church family to continue this conversation with them but I really believe this is a time. It's an opportunity where we can join Jesus in his mission, maybe like never before. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.